Thank you for watching the best barbecue show. I'm here at the Buzz Mill with Ben Lambert. Hello. A man who's cooked at Franklin now owns his own trailer, his own mill scale pit. He has been acclaimed by cooking some of the classics, probably the best I might have ever had them. Thank you. How's your day going? Going great. Got my dog here. Yeah, Macy's nice day. Macy's in the uh Macy's in the house. She's kinda in the bottom of the shot here. Uh, <laughs> she's kind of famous. I I went in to get a coffee and they were already talking about her. <laughs> They were get, everyone's like, oh, Macy's here. We're so excited. She's a good girl. How'd your dog get so famous? You just bring her around a lot? Uh, she's a she's a, a lady of the people. It's true. It's true. Now, I'm not kidding when I say, you know, you put a great bark, a great seasoning. You, you really, like the things that come off your pit just have a, a uniform to them. Is that practice is that just kind of your style you know how, how did you get how did you get barbecue just so clean uh definitely lots of practice and lots of good um lots of good instructions from people that i've learned from picked up things from in the past um like you said again with the franklin thing i learned how to cook brisket from Bron hughes and learn how to cook ribs and turkey from aaron and so yeah just good prodding pushing cooking lots and lots of high volume it just makes it just makes it a thing well, but I would say your seasonings, especially on the turkey, it's a little heavier than theirs, right? Yeah, definitely. And but it just comes out so even. Is that do you do any kind of rotation, or you? Is it just the the smoothness of the smoke, or what? It's kind of a combination of the both. It, it really does start with just like your good foundation on your rub. So just making sure that you're getting a nice even coating on all that. Is that like a? Is that like a drying everything out? Is that maybe putting like a mustard or something on first? No, don't put any kind of slather. Just make sure I wipe it down nice and clean after it comes out of the packaging. And then um, even coat of seasoning, like I said. And make sure it sticks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I, I love to pull up because people, you know, when people talk about seasoning and all this stuff, and I'll just be like, you got to see this picture. <laughs> because some of your thing. I mean, it's like, you know, when you're cooking briskets, it's so hard to even get the whole thing a uniform color and your stuff just comes out like like it was painted like it's just just i i just love i love everything that, that comes out here and you know i mean i brought i brought a bunch of people here uh we had uh the ss pit crew and mike from Sentex, and they were just freaking out i think you get to watch people uh enjoy your food every day right yeah i love it and that's what it's all about really uh, my wife set out my wife and i set out doing this just pretty much just to make people happy with food like the way it's always been um, old school Texan, old school Texas mom that you never left that house hungry. So it's all about just making people happy with it. Getting that first meat gasm bite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, when you say meat gasm, like, uh, go into that. What's, uh, what, what are you thinking? Um, a lot of times for me now, it comes from like, like good cuts of sushi, good cuts of fish where you just taste something and you get it on your palate that you haven't felt in a long time. And it just makes you close your eyes and just enjoy that one first bit of flavor that you're getting yeah and yeah to me that's what meatgasm is just like feeling something coat your palate that just sticks there and just stays nice 
Well, and you've had, you know, you've had a, a bunch of people now come through, write about your food and, mm-hmm. and talk about everything. So are you seeing a, a nice bump in business from that? Oh, the timing was kind of odd on it because it was right around the holidays when stuff was first coming out. Gotcha. So a lot of people didn't really want to go out and spend money. Also, with everything going on right now, yeah, a, lot of course. Of, a lot of people are sticking to themselves. Um, I have noticed a bump more recently after the holidays are over and weather's just been nice. Yeah. I mean, we went from having, what, three inches of snow out at my place a couple weeks ago, and then two days later, it was in the mid-60s and sunny. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's crazy that, you know, during all of this, there's multiple states that are shut down. I've got a bunch of comedian friends that are just coming in in droves to tour around Texas because mm-hmm. the West Coast is, I mean, you can't even do outside dining in a lot of places yep. in L.A. right now. Yeah. Uh, it's... I don't know. Texas, it's got to keep moving. God bless Texas. God bless Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I mean, you're a you're a true Texan, right? Like you're you're from here. You've got uh, how many generations of family? Um, eighth generation. So um, I'm pretty much as native Texan as you can get. That's back to like when it was Mexico. Um, it was owned by Spain at that point, and so Moses Austin, Stephen F. Austin's dad, made a deal with Spain to get people to settle what was going to eventually be Texas. Uh, he passed away. Stephen, um, his son, went ahead and learned fluent Spanish on the way down to Mexico to broker the deal to make sure that there would be a Texas settlement here. And then that's where the old 300 came from. So my eighth grandfather, Micah Bird, was one of the first 297 Texans that settled Texas. Wow. Micah Bird. Mm-hmm. Wow. When the History Center opens back up, I want to look that name up. <laughs> I bet there's some cool stories. Yeah, we know where the cemetery is, where the land plot was, all that stuff. So, yeah, as native Texan as you can get. Is that from around here? Or? It was down closer to the coast. So, um pretty much south of victoria they were surfers or what nah not so much <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh sorry i got a kick out of that no one. it's I'm trying to think of when surfing originally came here it's from the australians wasn't it yeah or hawaii something something like that something way west something to just yeah <laughs> i wonder uh i mean i know we've probably sculpted the coast a lot i wonder what it looked like back then i have no idea um i mean that's before photography right yeah Definitely. 1823, I think, is when my family first got here. So your family's also been through, like, the whole Republic of Texas and all that. All of it. Um, my His son-in-law fought in the Texas Revolutionary War, so they were all parts of all that stuff. Yeah, you've got, like, real, like, you've got, like, freedom blood in you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and my wife, her, um, one of her grandfathers, way back when, uh, his signature's on the, the Declaration of Independence, so. Wow. Yeah, old blood. Well, and let's talk about her because she is she is like number two here. She's she's killing it right right alongside you every day. So much, it's such a big inspiration. Like, there's no way that I could do any of it without my gorgeous wife. That's <laughs> at home, couldn't be here today because she's at home waiting for a stove to get delivered. But yeah, man, she's she's everything with it. She she's totally the the rock for this place. I just cook some meat. She keeps it <laughs> badass. <laughs> she, she smiles in the window. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, and it's just so sweet to come here because y'all are just always like, you know, I know that everyone has, you know, rough days or, you know, the wind's messing up your cook or whatever. But every time I come here, you guys are so happy to see people, so happy to work. So, I, I mean, like, I I just, th- there's always a good vibe here and I appreciate that because it, it's a tough job. 
It is. And we're just really good together. We love being around each other, even with work and all that stuff. We're about to have our 15 year anniversary. Wow. So a, Congrats. Thank you. So it's a lot of time of just being around each other and we still appreciate every moment we have. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate y'all because the, the work that goes into this, I know is super intense, especially when, you know, you guys have had to move. Have you moved twice now? Just opening? once. Just once? Just once. So we'd started at the other buzz mill that was off of Shady that closed down right when the shutdown happened. Right, yeah. And we spent that, I guess, the first weekend where all the food trailers were gone except for us, still just like trying to figure out what we were going to do because we had all the food and we were cooking and all that. And then Sarah even had one day where she had a, a sign standing out next to the road trying to wave people in, looking like some kind of mugging trap. <laughs> just because like yeah come get some barbecue from behind this building where everything's shut down just kind of look look kind of creepy but then we um we just decided that we were going to take the last of our meat and then cook it up and then just i called a couple first responder buddies of mine just told them to put it out on the radio or whatever it's gonna be free food for them nice on that last day that we had and then um we were gonna shut down so we had a good turnout for that uh, a bunch of the 600 uh police station over there by by shady everybody showed up uh got rid of the last of our food gave each other a hug and thought we we're just gonna be gone for a while and then the next day i got a call that the vegan pizza truck or vegan pizza truck little nona's was moving and then so we moved the moved in the next day so we never skipped a weekend yeah and uh you know, it was fun to watch that all happen because you guys were already kind of holding it down as a as a place like you were just starting to kind of get noticed at the old buzz mill mm -hmm. or the, the new old buzz mill. Yeah. And uh, so it was probably a little tough to have to move again, huh? Well, was that mixed with just like all the amazing customers that we had that we'd see every day and just not even so much the following that we had, but just friendships that we were building. So we thought we were going to lose all that and just start over from square one as soon as we got here. But it turned out that a bunch of our regulars, this place is a lot closer than Shady was. So nice. they were happier having us over here. Amazing. Well, and before you were putting the smokestack on and off, right? Every time you cooked? No, I was keeping it on. Um, so we've only had to take the stack off, I guess, three times since we originally parked over there. Okay. Because, I mean, you can't move it with all these phone lines and everything. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 23 feet off the ground. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, you got a tall stack. I uh I was uh, I was messing with someone in the comments. I think it was um Burnt Bean Company. Someone was saying their stacks were too tall and I was like, I don't think you know what you're talking about, bro. Sorry. <laughs> got to have airflow. Yeah. Well, and and uh I feel like when I first started the show, there was a lot more people putting opinions out there, mm -hmm. but I think people are starting to realize that Texas barbecue is something that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're less brave to just like start saying stuff when you know all they have is a Traeger or something. Yeah, and side note on the Traeger, I still think it's hilarious that there's barbecue competitions being won by those. <laughs> there's people with hundred thousand dollar rigs out there, and then it's getting beat by somebody that pulled their thing in the back of their truck. Yeah. Um. But yeah, with Texas barbecue, man, just like with with such a big, thick, crappy cut of meat that a brisket is, just being able to cook that thing right, there's a lot of different science and a lot of different technique with it. And with all the briskets I've cooked, I still haven't figured it out. I'm still changing different things every day with it. And with with people just to say something about somebody's cooker, they definitely don't know what they're talking about. Um, even even me, like as much as I've cooked, I still wouldn't know how to cook on somebody else's cooker unless I'm like halfway through the cook and being able to judge what's going on with different parts of it. So, Well, and, you know, you, I wouldn't say 
the, the guys at Franklin are scientists, but they're the closest thing as far as barbecue Definitely. is concerned. You know, there that was the first place to really try to do aerodynamic briskets. And I made a joke once that, you know, if, if you watch Aaron Franklin cook, uh, if you went in there with like a protractor, I don't know how you'd measure it, but I bet the angles and everything on all the briskets are like pretty spot on like they're spaced i mean he seems like he's meticulous about everything oh definitely and also i mean with over there you've got five cookers when i first started there was four but um that allows you to grade different sizes on different on different pits instead of like here i might have a 19 pound brisket and a 11 pound brisket i'm having to cook at the same time i'm just having to kind of finagle a bunch of stuff just to make sure that the rate of speed on cook is going to be exact so, yeah, it's, I mean, I learned all that over there, man. Um, I always thought it was kind of a weird superpower when you'd be going through briskets in the morning and Aaron would walk in and he'd just smell the air and know exactly what went wrong on what part of the cook. And I'm like, nah, man, that's bullshit. You know, he, he can't just do that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this was exact. And then eventually I started, like, it clicked in one day. It's like, oh, damn, I know what happened about 3 o'clock yesterday from this. And it's like, hell, yeah, it's a real thing. So, yeah, science and wizardry. Yeah. <laughs> the the barbecue wizards. Pretty much, yeah. I need to Photoshop a picture of Aaron Franklin with a wizard hat on. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, I've gotten to interact with them a lot. Uh, I was lucky enough to watch them cook at the L.A. Food Bowl, and it would be uh, you know, I've never asked him to be on the show. I've n- I don't really want to ask anything of Aaron Franklin, yeah. um, but it, it would be fun to, to see how playful he can get, you know, eventually. Uh, but until then, uh, you know, it's like, it, it's so cool to see kind of the wake that has been left from just Franklin. You know, you've got a bunch of guys that you, you worked with now who are opening their own places, working at other people's places. Mm-hmm. Is it, did you go into it thinking you were going to open your own place or were you thinking you were going to work at Franklin for a long time? Uh, I knew eventually I'd open my own spot just because, I mean, I, I think the one thing, the one biggest fear that I always had was that I like to be able to clock out and go home. So that was always my excuse that I was making. But um, when I was doing the Tales from the Pits podcast, one of the guys brought up, it's like you, you don't go to college to work at the college. Right. So I put in my five years there. I told him I'd, I'd be there for five years and... Like right at my, it was a day before my five year anniversary is when I timed in my two weeks. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, learned a lot of stuff and I'm still learning so much every day. And I can't be any more thankful for those guys for everything I learned over there. Yeah. And those guys are, you know, uh, from the conversations I've had, you know, they appreciate someone who's committed like that, you know, Definitely. It, five years. I mean, that's like that's like uh, some Japanese like style, like where you you have to spend five or ten years in an apprenticeship, you know, spend five years just learning how to make the rice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you did it, man. Yeah. And that, now look at you. You're you're putting out. I mean, I still I, that that one uh, sliced brisket sandwich you made me. I'm still working that picture around the internet because it's just beautiful. That was a beautiful picture. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, you know, you did all the work. I I, I did a. I, I spent about two minutes lining it up and just getting a shot of it. So <laughs> it was a good day. I'm just here to make y'all look good. That's oh, the whole point of the show. We need all the help we can get. Yeah, I got you, bro. Especially this one right here. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I, you know, I'm working on some some shorter form, you know, kind of like, hey, what's up? I'm at J and L. This stuff's delicious. Check yeah. out this is Ben. He's the man. Hello. You know that kind of stuff. So, uh, but until until I get better and until I get to that level of editing, we're gonna do a lot of talking too. That's cool, man. I'm good at chat. Uh, did you when you were like, you know, 
you, you put in your two weeks, your five years into Franklin, were you like, I want a mill scale? Or was that kind of like a process? Were you looking at other pits or did you know right away? Well, being here at Buzz Mill, um, first time I met the Johnsons was they were bartenders here. Oh, really? Yeah. So you got Caleb just as massive of a, of yeah, a big of boy, a, of a big, beautiful man that he is just back, back, back there behind the bar making lattes and shit. It was pretty awesome. But yeah, I got to know those guys pretty well. And then moving over to Franklin, um, they were Aaron's pit builders. And so I I knew that if I'd go for like Moberg, where Sonny puts out a really, really good product and I've cooked on his cookers before and I really love the, the results. Uh, I knew that they'd build something that I was a little bit more familiar with. And then also helping out and supporting your friends. That's what Hell it's yeah. all about. So I was the only person since uh, rewinding back to the fire at Franklin, we had to build two more cookers to get thrown into the new smokehouse. So since we were just kind of bored, Aaron sent me out to the out to his shop out in Bastrop. And so we were building those cookers together. So they already knew that I had a little bit of experience with welding and stuff like that. Oh, so you went out there and actually... Hung out with the Johnsons for a little bit. Yeah. So when they were building Marianne, um, they had they let me go out there, and I was the only person that they they had allowed to go and help with any kind of pit build. So I was out there just as much as I could, just contributing into making Marianne a thing. For those who don't know, Marianne is your thousand gallon pit. Yep. Named after your mother. Yep. Named after my mom. Uh, Business named after my dad, J N L. That's James Nolan Lambert. Uh, He's the one that really got me into barbecue as a kid, and just kind of. Kind of took barbecue to like an elevated superhero status just because it was my dad doing it. And so, it man, it's just always been always been a huge part of my life. Man, I would have loved to have just seen how your dad cooked barbecue. That would be crazy. It, yeah. Uh, it was all off of River Rocks that my sister and I, um, when we were little kids, just loading up into the back of the truck until we had enough to where my dad could finally build his pit. Really? Big, big old counterweight on it. Um, it wasn't like a an offset or anything like that. It was all um, kind of coal-based. But yeah, man, pecan wood, just straight up Central Texas hill country, just awesome briskets. Yeah, and I mean, you've you've brought it to a superhero level now. It's crazy. Ah, I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I just love I love bringing people here because it's kind of like when I when I brought those those curling kolaches over. It's like people don't realize until it's right in front of them. Yeah, They're like this is amazing. Yeah, this stuff is so good. I love those kolaches. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Sundays only. It's a it's a tough it's a tough grab, but you know, when I can get them. Definitely. Uh now you have to order ahead. I didn't realize that, so I only that got like sense. six the other day. And I was I was really nervous when the, the whole shutdown first started and they announced that they were closing down. It's kinda it's another one of those hits to the heart where I mean there's so many iconic places here they're not gonna be around anymore and I'm glad they got to come back. Hell yeah. Well and and Barbecue has this way of of persevering through mm-hmm. a lot of things, and you know you look at Operation Barbecue Relief and and some of these these guys that you know the same way that you were like instead of saying well we're screwed you know shut down you were like okay let's call the first responders and let's feed them yeah you know what I mean like that's that's the way barbecue thinks that's the way that's the process that you'll go through and and I always appreciate seeing that because that is kind of a a thought process, which is like, okay, we didn't sell out. Okay, we're doing this. Okay, who can we feed? Mm-hmm. And then you immediately are like, where's the closest fire station? Where's the closest yep. police station? I did a charity thing with a with a buddy out in Westlake, and we cooked, and I helped him serve, and we did all that stuff, and and we had so much food left over because mm-hmm. they had kind of overestimated, and the the charity had already paid for all the food, and they weren't going to take it, 
So we were like, oh, there's a fire station like a block down the road. So we loaded it all up, drove down there, pulled in with the truck and the smoker and just fed those guys. And, and uh, it's kind of this like underground thing people don't realize, you know, that's what I want to I want to next time that happens. I want to be able to like shoot it because yeah, like you, you probably made their fucking day, dude. Well, you just got to take care of people to take care of you. I mean, that's really, really important. And the way that my wife and I try to run this business, uh, like the personality that we try to give people is if you're coming to get food from us, you're our friend that came over to like our backyard to drink some beers with us and, and just sit there and watch a fire. So it's kind of that's always been been my approach to this whole thing in general. And that's why, like, on, on Sundays, I'll still just cook random foods that people bring me and stuff like that because I'm not cooking on Monday or not cooking for Monday. But, yeah, you're here. You're, you're, you're friends, man. Not not just trying to go like the, the whole Olive Garden thing where you're your family, but it's pretty much how it is here. <laughs> well, and do you feel like, I mean, it's cool that you cook things that people bring by. Have you had anything crazy that people brought by or people just kind of bring their own cuts? Uh, the drunken turkey was hilarious. Uh, so these guys brought over and they're like, okay, so we can just bring some meat over. It's like, hell yeah, man, bring some meat over. So they brought a turkey that they shot. It was mostly plugged. Um, mostly. Yeah. Uh, still had a little bit of shot in it. It was, it was pretty awesome. But yeah, they brought over some turkey. I seasoned the hell out of it, threw it on, just had a good day cooking. Like full, did you break it down at all? Or nope, it was just, just a full turkey just sitting up on its ass. <laughs> Came out <laughs> nice. Don't, don't, don't bite down too hard in case you get a piece. Yeah. Yeah. In case you get a little bit of shot in there. Now, I'm guessing those are probably a little leaner than the ones you see at the... Definitely. A yeah. um, lot leaner, a lot gamier. So they definitely don't taste like your standard butterball or anything like yeah. that. They're not all fattened up. It tastes like just what they've been what they've been eating, agarita berries and everything else that was out in the woods. Wow, that's crazy. Have you gotten to cook other things like, uh, you know, like wild hogs or anything? I've done a bunch of whole hog. Um, I, I never did it right until I started working over at Bangers because, again, where you were talking about a lot of other people not really understanding what Texas barbecue is. There's a lot of understanding or a lot of a lot of people here that don't really have the understanding on what what the East Coast barbecue is as yeah. far as that hog. And people don't really realize that, that on an off smoker, you kind of lose a lot because 10% of the animal's weight is their skin. And if you're just going to cook it on an off offset smoker, then you're just going to turn that skin into rubber. So then you get to, to your pig picking canoe is what I kind of call it, where you're just like picking all picking all the meat out, but you still just leave it in that, that shell that it once was. Uh, with being able to do it on like a, a cinder block pit and just doing it the right way where it's like all ember based on a shovel, burning down a lot of wood because you got to go through a lot of wood. For yeah, those it takes cooks. a lot more wood. Um, doing it like that's by far the best way. And that, that was the reason why I went over to Bangers first after I left Franklin, just to be able to learn the curing and the pickling and and learning on the whole hog and all that stuff. And the guy that taught me over there, um, Alex, he works over at Terry Black's now. Okay. He's kicking ass over there. And he was a big help at the beginning for helping us load our warmers in for, for pop-ups and stuff like that. He's a really great dude. Um, Chef Ted over there. Um, it's a, just a madman when it comes to food science and just like all the information that that man has. It is great. So, yeah, I learned as much as I could on whole hog over there. And just get that good crispy skin, and then once you can do that, then you're good. And you do uh, skin side up with some salt at first, or what? Definitely. A uh, lot of salt. Probably put... Like cover it in salt. About four pounds of salt. Uh, just leave it out for about an hour or so. Let's start drawing all that moisture up out of the skin. Then you get get it on there. And, yeah, I mean, I, I do like that whole hog is about a nine, nine and a half hour cook as opposed to like a 14 to 16 hour cook, like on briskets. 
which is weird because it's a whole animal. Yeah. As opposed to just like one cut. But yeah, I love cooking whole hogs. Well, and at its thickest point, you know, most hogs are about as thick as a brisket, right? Yeah, I guess on the hams. Yeah, so uh, it's not really you, you're not you're you're cooking about the same thing, but I think that that kind of direct indirect style it it brings kind of a whole new level to it, right? Whole new level, um, definitely different textures, and then um, also like I mean, the first people I was learning whole hog from was just um, doing events with Rodney Scott and Sam Jones, and just watching those guys and where they would make their cuts and. Did you do that here or what? Uh, that was all at Southern Smoke, the oh. Southern Smoke Festival in Houston. Hell yeah, I love so, Southern Smoke. Yeah, love those guys. Six million dollars to uh, to restaurant workers. Hell yeah, they're they're beasts, and they keep going. And uh, yeah. uh, one thing that we're doing that I mean we're we're doing different smoked infusions and stuff to be sold in in Buzzmill, and a dollar off of every drink goes to Southern Smoke. Nice, amazing. So, so we're still trying to keep it going as well as we can. Ever well, and everyone loves Southern Smoke. I mean, David Chang just. Did who wants to be a millionaire just to uh, just to give the money to Southern Smoke? So yeah. I, I was like, I it almost like brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, Macy's going for a walk here. Getting yeah. a little, getting a little bit restless. She got a little antsy laying <laughs> on the table. As much as as much as it's nice to have a you know a third member on the on the show, <laughs> someone to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, everything that Chris Shepard has done with that, it started off as like a, a foundation that was going to um, gonna try and help um, funding a cure for MS research, or uh, a cure for MS. So um, the festival first started like that, and it was just cooks from all over the country. And I think that when I first started cooking it with Franklin, um, it was before Aaron got his James Beard Award. And so like there was all these like real, real high-end chefs that, high acclaimed chefs that were out there doing it and yeah then there was us like ragtag rebels out there cooking brisket and um hurricane harvey happened and so they kind of diverted a lot of those funds to go to helping um, people in the service industry that got displaced by by the hurricane and then after um COVID happened then it shifted over to that too so it's always just been all about helping restaurant workers and then um people that really really need it they, they can't work because you can't really tell somebody that's been a chef for like 20 years to just go get like some kind of mechanic job yeah, or to shift gears on their entire life and what they're, they're really good at. So restaurant workers definitely need help. Yeah. And I mean, I, I appreciate just, you know, talking about all the different way, you know, you guys have worked together, you guys switch restaurants, you've, you've helped with so many different causes, you know, feeding the, the firemen, the first responders, Southern Smoke now, it's uh, it's so cool to see that barbecue gives back, whether it's monetary or food or whatever, is that giving back is just part of the scene. Yeah, it's it really is what it is, man, because, I mean, how long has barbecue been around? 1.8 million years, something Some, like that, yeah, that we've man. just been cooking meat with food, and it's always been about, you know, like, back then it's people huddling up around a fire while cooking, because that's kind of where your community is, is around that fire, and... It is a living, breathing element, and it just draws you in because it makes you feel better and makes you feel comfortable. So along with that, you're definitely going to get a sense of community just with what you're doing with it. It's not—it's definitely not like an isolationist type of thing where you're just working a line, running some steaks and stuff like that. Well, and it, it's a, it has this almost deep communal instinct because mm -hmm. before there was shelters and heat everyone just got near the fire because that's where it was warm and then you threw some food on and mm -hmm. i mean that's 
uh, who knows how many thousands, millions of years of that is like coded into our DNA. Exactly. It's just like a very primal instinct that we have to, to join around fire. And that's ours, bro. Like mm-hmm. dogs can't make fire. Bears can't make fire. Elephants can't make fire. That's just humans. There is the black kite. Have you heard of that thing in no, Australia? So like when the Australian wildfires were happening last year, man, 2020, um, <laughs> I started trying to research some of the causes of some of the wildfires over there. Um, and I found this critter called the black kite. It's a raptor that flies into fires, picks up sticks and can travel sticks that are on fire and can travel up to a mile away to set other fires to flush out lizards and snakes, shit like that to eat. So you just have this asshole bird that runs around <laughs> starting fires. But other than that, yeah, I think humans are the only hey, one that can do it. If any country is going to have an asshole bird, it's going to be Australia. It's going to be Australia, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to uh, uh, Behind the Smoke. Uh, there, there's a there's a few good podcasts out there in nice. Australia, and there's a lot of Texas barbecue. Dude, Australians and Texans, it's kinship right there. Um, I still always make the joke that if you're going to wait in line at Franklin, you're going to get drunk before noon with Australians because that was the thing. Um, they're... The, the climates are always rough, and there's a lot of stuff just in nature that'll kill you. So oh, yeah, yeah, we have we have a whole lot of a lot of similarities with Australia. Australia is like the Texas of the world, definitely. Um, and they don't like being called British Texans. I tried that one a couple times. It didn't, <laughs> didn't go over too well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think relating the Australians to British at all is a good nah. idea. <laughs> uh, I I impressed a girl the other night because I I I caught that she was Welsh. And nice. I didn't call her British. And she's nice. very, very happy about that. Oh, yeah. The Welsh got to wear kilts. Yeah. The Brits didn't. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Australia, Houston's barbecue, um, all the way on the West Coast is Don's. That guy's killing. I mean, he gets huge briskets. Uh, who else is out there? There's a bunch of places. I'm, I'm blanking right now. But from Sydney to Melbourne, there's like three or four solid places. There's oh, a, yeah. That, it, it's just it's so cool to see, you know, um, Bill Dumas went out there. Uh, Wayne Miller went out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people went out there just to just to cook. And you know, I would love for the show to blow up so that I can get out there. I want to go to Meat Stock. I'd love to go try check it out too. Uh, just how to get all the post oak over there? I think I would. Shit, and, my, and your carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they got stuff. I mean, my boy Dave Peralta is cooking with like tamarind wood in the Philippines. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was, I, he always messages me at like two in the morning. I was talking to him last night because the time's so different, and uh, you know his his English isn't great, but it's it's just fun to talk to him because he is. I mean, he's like selling looks like Texas sausage shrink wrapped. He made he took some barrels, welded them together, and made his own offset. Nice. He's just figuring it out through the internet, basically. Oh yeah, that's awesome, man. So good to hear. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping to once travel and all that stuff opens up, I'm hoping to connect the world with barbecue because I. When I originally made the show, it was kind of a troll just to call it the best barbecue show because everyone, it's like the whole thing, like world's best, the biggest, best, yeah. you know, everyone just uses that. So I was like, well, I'll use it. But then I was like, well, Texas is the best barbecue. There's, there's no way. I have I have yet to find anything that slaps as hard as, as Texas barbecue. That and then also so many other styles will still come to Texas and then add that to it. Yeah. And, and all we're asking people to do is just kind of simplify and slow down. That's it. Exactly. Salt, pepper, patience, man. That's, that's it. Well, and there's so many places that, you know, they, they cook too hot, they cook too fast, and then what ends up happening is you just use sauce to hide what you screwed up, you know? Yeah. And here we got the sauce to, like, elevate things. Yeah, I originally didn't even want to do barbecue sauce, but chopped beef sandwiches are still my favorite thing, so you kind of have to have sauce with that. 
Um, well, and your sauce is, is bomb, dude. Well, thank you. Uh, I always, especially uh, working at other places where I'd see, you know, there's people that spend a lot of time away from their families that had to miss out on events and stuff like that and miss out on things for their own life to try and make this one cut of meat as perfect as they possibly can. And then just to watch somebody dump stuff all over it before they even try it. It's just like, oh, man, why did I do that? Well, and and Texas sauce is also, it's a little more vinegar-based. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little, it's not as sweet and thick as people, you know, when you go buy some Sweet Baby Ray's or whatever that's yeah. in the, the grocery stores. You know, when, when you pick up a, a bottle of Texas barbecue sauce, it's kind of loose. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that thick, thick boy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and reason with the, like, the vinegar just brings out a natural sweetness to the meat anyway. So that's kind of kind of the reason for that. You yeah. go up to Kansas City and everything, you get that that real sweet candy sauce, but sauce isn't even really traditionally a Texas thing. So yeah, it's kind of something. You gotta when you have talk to Elliot Moss and some of these East Coast, like North Carolina guys, they they there's so much vinegar in the sauce that the sauce really isn't good unless you put it on the meat mm-hmm. because they're really trying to bring that flavor out. Yeah, and that's same route that I went with with. Why we do Carolina style pulled pork? Um, just because pulled pork's not a Texas thing, so why not pay homage to to its roots and where it came from? So you have to have like a, a hot sauce vinegar sauce with it. Yeah. So yeah, that's the way I went with that. I love Elliot. He's a good dude. <laughs> oh my god, I love him so much. And he's just like, talk about someone who just doesn't care. Like he, yeah. he rollerblades. Mm-hmm. He's got this cool space. He's got you know this amazing program of of. Whether it's the food, whether I mean, he's doing fried catfish, he's doing pies, he's yep. doing cookies. He's he's got some young guns in there that I don't even think I, I have a an interview from when I was in North Carolina that I need to put out because I interviewed some of the young guns at one of his managers that was doing the beer program. I mean, he's really he has thought out every angle of that place, and mm-hmm. and it's it's so fun to see, you know, kind of like in in four or five years i'll be interviewing you and you'll have a team rather than just the two of you you know you'll these will be the nostalgic days of you two grinding it out every day Uh, that sounds nice (laughs) (laughs) we'll get there man we'll get there yeah because i mean we're still only open from friday through sunday just because i mean those are still four 18 hour days yeah they're thrown in there Uh, a lot of people don't realize with barbecue that if you're eating a piece of brisket right now that started three days ago yeah so there's the the day of trim, and then you gotta cook for that whole next day, and then it finally gets on the plate. Uh, a lot of people don't really realize the time and work that goes into it. Um, so yeah, as soon as we can start hiring yeah. our people back, then we'll be able to open up more days. But yeah, yeah. If you're eating on Friday, they started on Wednesday. Yep, it's crazy. Yeah, today's Tuesday. Start on start prep on everything tomorrow. And do you? Uh, so. You, you're about to get everything delivered today or tomorrow or what? Getting everything. Uh, we drive around to pick up all of our different random stuff that we need for it tomorrow and then um, start prep on all of it. And then Thursday I come in and start cooking. So I get here at about 6 a.m. on Thursday and get my fire going and then start cold smoking all my bacon that I'm going to need for the weekend and then just get everything on, keep cooking. So that day is, starts at about 6 a.m. that I'm here, so I wake up at 5, and then I'm usually done by midnight. So then I get to drive that 45 minutes home and then sleep for a couple <laughs> hours and come on back. That's amazing. Well, and you, you got lucky. The the Ace, the restaurant store that was by my house moved yep. down here, so yeah. you got a much shorter drive. Walking distance to Ace Mart. Yeah. We don't usually do Restaurant Depot for anything. We try and, try and go as small as we can. Um, yeah. So, uh, so... 
you know, you guys, you guys are cooking here. You also are surrounded by vegan trailers. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So there's three other vegan trailers here right now, and they're about to get another one. That's going to be like a kind of like an Italian noodle concept. And so got uh, vegan burritos, vegan burgers, vegan dim sum, which Joyce's noodles are just amazing. Like her her pork dumplings, you would think it was pork. Um, but yeah, it's us and lots of vegan trailers. <laughs> it's cool though, because you guys are kind of holding down the meat. Uh, I'm still kind of nervous about what it's going to be like once I um, once I shut down this back parking lot, fence it off, and this is going to be more like a food court area. So that, it's going to be great. So it's going to be like five or six vegan trailers, and then us. So if I'm out there with whole hogs or goats on asado crosses, just live fire cooking in the lot, <laughs> we might get some crazy looks from them. But, but that's fine. I, I appreciate their food. Well, and it, it would be cool to see, I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but some kind of collab, like uh, over at uh, Bolden Acres, Cade is doing this like smoked and then deep fried cauliflower. Nice. Uh, there, there's a lot of way. I mean, I, I cook a lot of vegetables. Yeah, same. I, I love doing potatoes on the smoker. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's barium and ash. Uh, that's <laughs> another thing Chef Ted taught me about, like roasting potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, garlic cabbage all that stuff just take some of your ash from your cook and then just bury it in the ash and just kind of let it hang out in there for a few hours and don't roast itself off pretty well yeah there there's just it's amazing how just having a smoker is actually having like three or four kinds of cookers yeah you can you can put things in the firebox you can use your firebox is insulated right yeah super insulated yeah so some people don't insulate them and they'll put like a flat top or something on top i mean it it's just having a fire, there's so many ways to cook around it. Yeah, and that's one thing that I miss about having kind of non-insulated because you could just like throw a whole skirt, skirt steaks and feed and stuff like that and just be able to cook your dinner while you're cooking other stuff as well. Yeah, well, but you, you guys got enough fire. You can probably just throw it in a little – you got a little hibachi or something out there? I've got uh, – uh, so Matt Johnson made me an insert for my firebox. So it's just like a little grill grate that I could just slide into my firebox and shovel some coals underneath it and then just keep going with my stuff. <laughs> it's just so cool. Like that's like that's like the secret the secret menu. Like you come here early, you might, might be able to get a little bite of steak or something, you know? Yeah, and I've been doing bacon steaks and stuff like that on Sundays too. So just like – have a nice two-inch thick cut of mango habanero bacon that um, just throw pickled mustard seeds and peach jelly and stuff like that on. It's just good to have little snacks. Yeah, well, and would you say there, there's almost a – you have to be careful with stuff like that because you can very easily, like, burn it on the meat, right? You have to kind of wait till the end, or is that um, – when you're working with sweet things especially, how do you not – let it burn. I don't put any of it on it while I'm cooking it. It's just something that I'll. So t- it's all afterwards. Yeah, it's just something I'll top it with afterwards. <clears throat> now, so you have these famous chops. Is that have? I mean, every picture I've seen, you've had them. Have you had them literally forever, or what? Probably since 1999, <laughs> something like that. 1999. <laughs> that's when. That's when you got all your metal shirts. I mean, that Creepshow shirt is OG. Like you got you and Sarah have. Just the the best t-shirts. You guys have so much style. Like you guys are so much fun. Macy trying to uh, trying to make her escape, her ex escape. She's now ten years old. Um, a fixture here at Buzzmill. The great escape. Now Buzzmills right. Buzzmills uh twenty four hours. Yep. And you can you can they've got infused whiskeys. They've got I mean you can drink here at 
5 a.m. if you want. Yeah, and um, I'm glad that they invited us to be part of their infusion program, too, because, like like I was saying with the Southern Smoke thing, the first one that we did was a smoked peach and then a smoked peach whiskey, and now um, I've got some smoked peach whiskey going and also uh, mango habanero tequila. Wow. So I tasted it the other day, and it definitely has more of a mezcal flavor now just because of all the, the smokiness added to it, but, yeah, this was pretty good. Yeah, and, and this just seems like a space where you can play like that. You, you guys, everyone's down to kind of have fun with each other, and, and I love that. That's kind of an old Austin vibe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's some of these newer places will be kind of snooty about it, but these guys know what's up. Yeah, I mean, you never know whether or not, never, what, never know whether or not it's going to be good until you try, right? Sorry, dog messed up everything. Yeah. Mace, Macy's uh, Macy's doing some camera work while she's uh, buzzing around. At least she's pretty. <laughs> she's the uh-huh. best. Yeah. Well, and and kind of like uh, you know, I'm sure the the Johnsons and some of these welding shops all have you know kind of a shop dog. I don't yeah. know why, but it's not like a good business. It always has kind of like the dog that hangs out too. It's it warms the heart just to pet a dog, man. Like dogs are great. We don't deserve them. <laughs> And uh, and I'm sure she doesn't mind all the snacks she gets when she's here. She gets all the snacks. Yeah, I, I wish we could bring her up here during service, but nothing sadder than bulldog tied up outside of a food trailer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, you're doing, you know, I don't know. Have you ever sold the jerky? You always have some jerky laying around. You always have some little extra things you're working on. I sold some to Joyce, the um, the plow owner, for her boyfriend's dad for Christmas. So nice. They got two pounds. And wow. Since I just used my, my scrap for it, and I don't have a whole lot of scrap that comes off the briskets, it took about two weeks to get enough together for two pounds. <laughs> um, we'll sell it eventually, but, I, I mean, I'm really – I really don't know about what I want to do with all that just because you have to have a HACCP plan and there's a lot of stuff that has to go through the state whenever you're going to do a packaged product like that. Well, and that's a, is that all, that's a cold smoke, right? Um, I, it's a earlier in the Coke smoke. So I didn't throw that stuff on the same time I throw my brisket on. And then, um, probably about four hours in it's, it's done. So not necessarily cold smoke, about 250, 260. Oh, so you're still smoking it normal. It, it just comes out. It's like, all the things you want in jerky, but none of that like chewy, gamey. Like it's just, I, uh, I, I made a mistake, and I, I had a friend over, and I was like, oh, you should try this jerky. And before they left, it was like pretty much gone. <laughs> but I appreciate it, man. It's like, it, it's just, uh, I don't know when you reach this kind of pinnacle, but it, it's cool to see that you know you can pretty much just turn that thing on, and then everything that comes off of it is delicious. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's a lot of. A lot of paying attention to what it is and a lot of respect for what it is too well and it's cool because you like you're you're a very like polite respectful person and at the same time like every picture i've seen you with aaron franklin like your tongue's out and your eyes are wide like you just have this fun style that you know i most people are like when, when they take pictures with aaron it's like i don't know they're just like hey cool look it's aaron franklin and you're just like he's ah. a close friend yeah did a lot of stuff together it, it's just great it's great that you know, it, it just shows like you don't have to be anything to cook barbecue. You can just be you. Um, well, you have to be fucking insane. <laughs> Maybe that's what the face is about. That's well, I don't even know about the face or anything, but normal people don't do what we do. Um, again, it's an obsession with a really crappy cut of meat. Just trying to turn it into butter. Who else does that? I mean, we're all, we're all nerdy in our own right, but there's a 
tad bit of insanity that comes with just taking on cooking barbecue for a living and then still having a some way that you're still enjoying it and having a blast with it with every cook. It's a little crazy to me. Well, but you enjoy it. I can love it. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean it is what I am. I mean it's it's it was my childhood. It was all growing up. I mean it's it's I don't understand why it's not our state dish, but we still have chili, no beans. Um that is just totally great, but I mean it's what our culture is. It's what our family is. It's what everything we talk about. It's our friendships. It's it's everything. Do you remember when I mean it, it, it's probably so long ago you probably were born eating you know, smoked meats, but do you remember pork chop bones? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, do you remember a moment where you were like, I'm going to learn how to do this? It was just always watching my dad. Cause I mean, if, if you have a relatively good childhood where your, your parents are, are there for you and nurture you and are just all about, you know, being your heroes. I want to see what dad did. Dad was a welder. He um, worked union part, union carbide pipeline division for 30 years. That's hard work. Um, and my mom and dad, my mom was a nurse and they had, re- they had already retired by the time they, um, by the time they hired my, or by, by the time hired, um, by the time they adopted my sister and I. And so like they gave up their retirement to raise these two kids. And I always had a lot of respect for that. And so I always wanted to be like dad. So had our own garden, went hunting a lot, a lot. Um, I never figured out his, his javelina tamale recipe, but. I still wanted to cook the same stuff that he did and weld like he did and shoot like he did and just be an awesome man like he was. Is that mostly javelina and deer? Were you guys hunting squirrel and stuff too? Uh, squirrel just didn't have as much on it to feed all of us. Um, so, yeah, we just had a javelina trap in the backyard and catch javelina all the time, make tamales out of them. <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere, right? Yeah. They probably were back then too. Well, especially out there in the whole country. So. Are they, uh, were they as a, were they as big of a problem as they are now or were they just kind of out there? Uh, when I was 11, I slept in a tree one night I didn't go, I didn't go by that rule of get out of the woods by the time the sun comes down and they treed me in a mesquite tree all night. Um, they were just like at the bottom trying to get you or something. Yeah. They're just down there clicking all night. And then, um, I still remember one night we had this chow and we're all sitting down eating dinner and then we hear this big crash at the door and the dog had run in, busted through the door. And then there was like 15 javelina on the porch that chased him into the house. So, yeah, we had a lot out there. Now, did you have a tree house or were you just straight up like hanging off a branch sleeping? I was just off a branch. <laughs> I didn't do much sleeping. Wild child. I did a lot of yelling. Oh, my God. But well, I was they, out in the woods. Can they get up in the tree? Nah, they can't no. climb or anything. There's little pig-ish critters. I don't know if the yeah, I mean, that's just, I, I've talked to people that actually go, they just take dogs and knives and go hunt javelina. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, I didn't even think it was safe to get that close to them. Uh, I wouldn't advise it. You no. got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Good rifle will help too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so, um, you know, at the end of most of my episodes, I ask people, what's your message to the barbecue people, barbecue nerds, the the people out there that want to make food that looks as good as yours do you have any tips besides be crazy uh the insanity definitely helps um but also just it is a science remember the science the scientific method you're only changing one thing every time if you change four or five things for your cook that you think you might not have liked you you're never going to narrow down what your problem is um also remember just like we say salt pepper patience those are your three main ingredients and that patience is a really really important one you're done when it's done so just have to remember to take your time with it and only change one thing each time and check your radar on your phone we've got that for a reason 
wind speed's an important thing, and so is humidity. Okay, so you're actually checking the weather, too. All day, every day. I can get a six to eight mile an hour wind change, and I'm having to change my whole fire style and watch my water pan a lot more. It's just a lot of different factors that go into it. It, like, pulls the moisture out? Yeah, especially with a 23-foot stack. If, if I've got real high wind that's just rushing everything away, I mean, if it's a colder day and we have just one good good wind um, gust, it could empty all the, the heat out of your cooker. So just having to really pay attention. Just all sucks that stuff. it right out. Sucks it right out, and then it'll slowly start building back up. So change your fire style so you don't get everything crispy. Is there, like, one thing that you're – Working on, is there one change that you've done in the last few months that's that's substantial? Not so much. Um, it's just been coming out of like what primes that we've been getting where at, as soon as the meat started coming back on the market, the briskets were massive. So we we're getting like 23-pound briskets, but now they're back down to good average sizes. Um, so the main thing I've just been working on is just trying to um, source same-size briskets. Consistency. Yeah. And then um, we're also working on what our nighttime menu is going to be once we once we can start getting our people back and just start like switching more towards bar food at nighttime and then just having all the barbecue during the daytime. Dinner menu. Yeah. So it'll be sides and sammies and stuff like that. So a bunch of different sides and different sandwiches. Definitely want to start adding some pastrami. Oh. Um, But yeah. You got you got any more of that menu you want to? divulge not so much right now it's again like bacon steaks pastrami stuff like that and uh yeah having y'all it's cool to see that there's there's places opening up and a a lot of people are seeing that keeping the barbecue going a little later is actually especially a place like this that Mm -hmm. i mean it it probably is hopping some nights more than days right definitely um especially friday nights gets gets nice and fun here (laughs) i bet Socially distanced and safe, but still yeah. fun. These tables are way spaced out. Definitely. They're super good. and They don't even have any seats inside, right? Nope. No, ind- no indoor right. seating whatsoever. It's all patios. So it's kind of, it's really depending on the weather. So I, I really thought it was weird when it was snow day. There was people sitting up there and then people just in the snow eating plates of barbecue. It's like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And I, yeah, we sold out really early that day too. Well, it's easy to make snow a novelty when it only happens once. Yeah. Every five years. Every one of these picnic tables had a little snowman on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know if you saw, but Roland Smoke was making a little snowman holding brisket and I, stuff. I shared that with the um, with their, their little snowman holding a taco. Those tacos are so good, too. My um, my buddy, um, Matt Cummins, he does Von Sills. Yeah, yeah. And he's out, out in McGregor. He's cooking some badass stuff out there. Um, he brought me one of those tacos, and, dude, it was amazing. Madman Cummins, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really good dude. Good cook. Family man. It's just he and his wife getting it going, too. Yeah, and you have a lot of connection to the Hill Country because you're going out to Lockhart to hang out with the the Johnson boys, and he's out there. And I mean, we're seeing, as much as there's old school barbecue Mm -hmm. out in the country, we're seeing a lot of that new school, a lot of that new style everywhere. Yeah. Uh, It's really people just realizing that they can cook whatever they want to cook. And if they can run a special on it and just be able to have fun with that, then do it, man. It gets kind of monotonous cooking the same stuff all the time. Is there anything you're like, do you, do you kind of have like a notebook of stuff you're going to try out over the next few months? Uh, that and um, just stuff I've already been tinkering with on Sundays. Because again, like Sunday is definitely our busiest day that we have. Um, but I, I'm also not having to cook brisket and ribs and all that. Um, all those, those meats those days. So, I can still just kind of tinker around with stuff. 
different times and temps on everything. Yeah. I, I'm, I need to start bringing some stuff over here on Sundays. Do it. You're more is, than welcome to. Is there anything? Uh, I've been I've been messing with barbacoa a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to figure out a way to speed up the barbacoa, like get some smoke on it, but then maybe like pressure cook it or just do something to break it down. What's your time on it right now? Uh, I do like three to four hours. I'm right at about five. Um, because I know a lot of the guys are just putting it into a bath in the smoker, but I'm trying to see, cause I, I cook for some of these comedians and, mm-hmm. and these shows that are in town. Yeah, I've seen that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's super fun. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I need to figure out a way to do it. You know, I'm not going to try to rush brisket or something that obviously is going to take as long as it's going to take. But I do want to figure out some of those other things. Maybe I, I I played with some chicken the other night, but what happened was I, I left the chicken on the smoker too long. So it kind of got that that like skin, mm-hmm. even though there's no skin on the chicken. It gets like a you know, what I mean, yeah. that and then once you do that, you can't really like pull it apart. Yeah. You know, is is that a. Uh, well, is that time or? Well, it's kind of the same thing with like pulled pork and ribs, that whole Texas crutch method where you're going to wrap it in foil and then that kind of essentially steams and braises it. And so it's easier to fall apart like that. So with barbacoa, and I, you got to realize that the meat only, um, only gets smoke penetration the first three hours. So after that, then whatever heat source you want to use to be able to finish it off, as long as you're, you're braising and, and steaming it kind of, then it's going to fall apart. So it's kind of the same thing with barbacoa. I usually go just... First, like two and a half, three hours on the on the cooker, and then throw it all in a pan with a bunch of Mexican oregano, and just let it steam itself. And now, do you think do you find yourself using kind of more of the Mexican spices because they're available here? Is that what you grew up with? I grew up with it, and that's kind of what we wanted to do here. Like I, I let people know what the turkey, what flavor profile I'm going with with turkey. So that's why it's Cajun butter turkey. Um, our pulled pork, again, like I said, there's no pulled pork that's like a staple of Texas. So it's our Carolina style pulled pork. Everything else is just Texas food. Um, I grew up in Uvalde, so we're close enough to the border to where like that just was our food. I mean, it's kind of the first birthplace of Texas barbacoa. Some of the best in the the country is from there. Um, So yeah, man, it's just all Texas to me. So uh, yeah, it's Mexican spices, but it's always been here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Texas is Mexico kind of. Yeah. It's uh, it's good to know your history, especially with someone who's got eight generations in you. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's so much fun to to see. You know, uh, you talk to the, you know, the, these old school Mexicans who put, they just put it in the ground, which is mm-hmm. kind of the same as cooking on coals. And then you talk to them, and they talk about the caja chino, which yep. is like a Chinese box, uh, method, which is kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, or a Cajun microwave. Yeah. I've never heard that before. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, are there any other styles or things that you you're you're playing with? Or I mean, you you've uh, got that thousand gallons just yeah, running so good. Yeah, I mean, right now I got the thousand gallon, and then um, at the house I've got different things. That, I've got a, a pig box that I made out of cinder blocks at the house, and then other random contraptions all over the place to smoke and cook stuff. Um, just screwing around with stuff at the house. And you were talking about the um, the cooking in pits. And that goes back to the the communal aspect because you're getting a fire going in a hole. You're putting your stuff in there. You're burying it, and then you set an awesome fire on top of that and have a party. The next morning you have breakfast. So that's all it's about, man. It's still all about hanging out and then just, like, picking apart a cow head or steer head. Yeah, and and it's so interesting because I haven't, until recently, I hadn't really experienced the party part. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried the food. I've been to places where... 
And and I didn't realize when they were setting it up, you have to make 8, 10, 12 inches of coals mm-hmm. so that that fire keeps burning when it's buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's it's so cool to see that process, and I'm hoping to see it a lot more. People are, it's not like becoming trendy, but I'm seeing more and more people doing it. I mean, uh, Brian um, from Roosevelt Barbecue SS mm-hmm. Pit Crew, he actually built a hole, but he like put a steel tube in it. Yep. So it's like fully in the ground, ready to go, and he's got a special cover for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just so cool to see that, you know, I got into this because I just want to learn how to slow cook things and now I'm getting to learn other methods. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a life. It's awesome. <laughs> hashtag barbecue life. Fuck yeah. Um, well, I appreciate it, man. I it's, appreciate you. Uh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming out and talking with me. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, I'm going to be picking your brain like always. And, uh, and I'm going to, as this show, you know, changes and grows, I'm excited to just tell your story, tell the story of Texas barbecue and just Thank keep you. bringing in more people into the fold. Cause Texas is the best barbecue. True. <laughs> so until next time, stay tuned for more best barbecue. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I'm born out in Texas, called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle green to show in the hell I'd like to meet him to meet, man. Y'all to see me eat.